Welcome to the Core Podcast. This one's a little bit special because it's just hosted by me. This collection of fantastic podcasts comes from a load of amazing, influential women in tech. I'm really excited to share this with you throughout October. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the latest episode of our podcast and today I'm really excited to have Stevie in from Abnormal. We're actually doing a series of podcasts um, talking to female leaders, female colleagues that are within the cybersecurity industry because it's not really, I guess, I don't know, when I went to school, wasn't the industry I thought I'd go into. Um, I don't know if it's on every little girl's tick list or I don't think there's a Barbie that you can buy that helps you in cybersecurity. So Stevie, could you give us a little bit of an intro on yourself, where you work right now, how you got into cybersecurity? Absolutely. I mean, unsurprisingly, I didn't grow up desperate to be in IT either. No. Um, I actually got into the industry via a summer job. Okay. So I did a law degree and I needed some money while I was applying for training contracts. Okay. And just never left. And that was 10 years ago now. So I joined a uh, cybersecurity reseller as their renewal specialist as a temp. Okay. And worked my way through there, found sales, decided I liked it and never went back to law. My parents were so happy. Oh, happy? No. Oh, Oh, no. I was going to say, most parents, if you're going to go do a law degree, will probably be like, I mean, I'm imagining Legally Blonde right now, but I'm sure. I'm not sure I could have pulled off the dresses, no. but I could try. You could try. <laughs> try it in post-sec. <laughs> and you're, well, I know you through a relationship with Abnormal, um, and you've been there three months, four months? Now? Nearly two. Okay. Oh, I feel like yeah. you've been there a lot longer. Uh, and so how did you abnormal how did you land that like we all know at quarter pad it's a very exciting tech is that how you heard about it or it was actually a colleague of mine so I was at Okta before okay. I was at Okta for four years yeah. looking after the channel uh, for UKI there and then a colleague of mine in the US from Okta moved over to abnormal okay and he was just having so much fun he spoke to me about it three or four times over about a six month period and it was just never sort of the right time, time. Mm. Um, and then Chris Martin was launching abnormal and it was just you know lots of noise it was really exciting yeah. so I thought I'll speak to him I worked with him before okay um so I thought if Chris is doing it there must be something, something exciting. exciting yeah and just the passion from there that I heard the growth the numbers the excitement this whole new industry new technology I just couldn't say no and why is abnormal so different from the other techs on the market just like lightly I know you're not technical but why why are you seeing so much success of it with your customers compared to I've heard some interesting um what's the word when you comparisons Mm -hmm. there's some interesting comparisons from abnormal and other techs in the market so email security is not new no but the way that we're approaching this is looking at technology that's been in place for 20 years and hasn't really changed when the market around it has been completely flipped on its head. Yeah. So that's why Abnormal is different. And a lot of people, when they're looking at Abnormal, they're sort of likening us to CrowdStrike, for example, okay. who, you know, endpoint security was not different. Yeah. It's been around for ages, but the way that CrowdStrike were doing it was different. Yeah. The way with Vectra, I know that you work with Vectra, yeah. Chris did. Um, same sort of thing, you know, network security, been around forever. But the the industry changes so quickly and the way that we work changes so quickly mm-hmm. with digital transformation mm-hmm. and um, moving to the cloud. Yep. But we're still using a secure email gateway that was created 20 years ago. So now is the time. And there's a, you know, there's a few players ratifying that this is the right approach and it is yep. the right time. Uh, and it just seemed like there wasn't anyone doing it well enough. 
which makes it exciting when you're you're going into a new tech. So for you, in your opinion, in cybersecurity, what sort of um, challenges, obviously there's the email side of things, but you've been in cybersecurity quite a long time. What do you think the challenges are remaining the same? Do you think cybersecurity challenges are evolving like how have you seen any patterns over the years that or do you think they like you said email is always going to be a problem it's just how we flip it on its head I do think email will always be a problem I think that the scariest thing for me is the merging of our personal and our work so you know right, we have the same phone rapidly yeah so I mean I, I wasn't not old enough luckily to be have been you know at the, the desktop stage where I came in actually that is a lie my first computer was stuck to the desk when I started at Nebulous so I didn't have a laptop I don't think I think I've always had a laptop I think we're similar age I think I can't think I know at uni there were still just solid computers and things like that but it wasn't but yeah no yeah I think we're just at the brink aren't we of laptop yeah Yeah. so it's um everything's merging but you've got I've got my personal and Mm -hmm. my work email I've got my banking apps but I've also got my slack everything's on my phone Phone, yeah Um, and what I'm scared of or I think what everyone should be conscious of more than Mm -hmm. scared of is that these things are coming closer and closer together and as it merges how many photos do you send and you think oops shouldn't have sent that how often are you in a whatsapp group and i don't know if you've had a wine or two and you send the wrong picture you send the wrong group you very quickly delete it but that's out there that's gone and if we're making mistakes like that when we are people in the industry imagine what you can do when you're really really trying yeah and you are a malicious actor that is trying really hard and using a lot of processing power and a lot of knowledge and a lot of technical understanding to actually ha- like be successful in these huge attacks. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just it's everywhere. It's the fact that everything is everywhere. Yeah, is and next I, big I don't know about you, but I think we, as we are, because we are in the industry, we are probably a little bit more cautious, wary. We do have little things like oh. Is that fishing? Is that a, like is that a real person? Well, I don't know about how your thoughts about your friends and other colleagues in different industries don't necessarily have that thought process. They they don't think oh that could potentially be a fishing or that's definitely from Jane from HR. That's they I don't know. I think I don't know how you. I think I always do second guess things. I do just go oh hang on is that right? Um, where I feel some of my friends in different industries wouldn't do the same. I don't know if you feel that the same about other colleagues or when you're having a glass of wine with your mates and you bring something up and they're like, oh, you're so paranoid. And I'm like, mm, I'm not that paranoid. Definitely. I, mean, I, I assume the worst. Yeah. And it's great if it's if it's real. Yeah. Um, but when there was the, was it the big, uh, the ones that came out, the, was the delivery service with the, it's now, I think it's every now. Oh, Herms. Hermes, yeah. Hermes, Herms, Herms however guys. you pronounce it, yeah. Um, there was a huge, really, really, really good impersonation of them. A load of emails going around um, for Hermes and I was screenshotting them and sending them all to my friends saying, please, please be careful. Because yeah. I mean, ASOS, everything that, that we use quite regularly comes from them. Uses those. So it's, um, it's terrifying. And we were talking about earlier, it's the, the vendors, you know, who are you working with? It's not necessarily ASOS that's been compromised, but if Hermes, who ASOS are using, they've been compromised. Yeah. And there's this huge chain of people in everything that we do. But we're trusting, aren't we? Like, it's the same with, like, the Royal Mail and things like that. And I know also during COVID, there was horrible phishing emails that were going out or text messages saying that you need your vaccine. It was fake and people were filling it in and putting their NHS number and all these things, thinking they were booking stuff when it was actually... And I guess, yeah, I think, like, people use something like the pandemic where our guard is down and nothing was normal, was it? 
to do it. So like they find things that you're normal in your life for you to accept and, and Hermes or yeah, Envy yeah. is a, a great example of that. And if you're uh I guess a, a good person, you kind of think I'm not gonna exploit that. I'm not gonna go after the, the old people, the sick people who are gonna click on the vaccination yeah. links. But unfortunately, you know, the bad guys don't care. No. So they are gonna do exactly that. Do you see things looking at cybersecurity and threats and things like that? I think you've highlighted that because our worlds are becoming quite blended home and life there's also the metaverse that's coming and we're potentially going to be virtual as well um what do you think it's going to how it are going to change in the next five years do you think it's going to have to be like an educational thing that we're taught about this do you think it's going to be because i know there's a new gcse on climate change do you think it'll go that way that it's just part of learning maths and uh, do you think yeah. it could go that way? I think it's. Time? I think it's two parts. I think education is so important, and I do think, you know, when I think about my grandma and what she would do, and yep. you know, having her passwords on the on the fridge, yeah, um, that education is is definitely better for younger people, but it needs to be improved more. Mm-hmm. But there's only so much education that's going to help. It's automation. It's AI. Yeah. It's at the end of the day, we the only people that are well, the only things that are going to be better at protecting us is is AI, it's mm-hmm. computer uh, behaviour, computer learning. So I think we need to have a dual approach yeah. where we've got AI, we've got these security organisations who are backed by huge AI machines and we've got education and they have to work hand in hand. I think that's the only way we're going to stand a chance of, of being secure in a digital world. And I know both of us said when we went to uni and school and stuff like that, cybersecurity for me, I don't even think there was a, a course or a choice. of. I wouldn't even have considered it to be actually if it had been put in front of me to take it as a degree. I think we both know that and being it's quite a male dominated industry that we're both in. Do you think there's somewhere from schooling that could encourage people? Because I actually, like, I obviously I sit in the marketing side of it, but it's actually quite James Bondy. It is actually kind of a sexy market if you if you understand and look under the hood of it in some ways do you think there's a way that we could get more females into the industry do you think that's more of us talking about it do you think it comes in from school how do you think is a way of encouraging people to get involved I think a big part is educating that it's not all just about the the technical the ones and zeros yeah I think there's that's a huge part we need a lot more female lessies we need a lot more female techies and that's kind of that's not something I can influence no. so please come yeah please get involved <laughs> please. Uh, but I think it's also it's such a huge industry I mean, we've been trying to hire um, female salespeople. We've been trying to have like, a really diverse approach to this. Yeah. But we've had barely any CVs or really? any applications from females. And it's really, really hard. And that's for a sales job. And abnormal is not a difficult technology to wrap your head around. No. Nope. Um, so if we can't find saleswomen who want to sell a technology that has a really big demand, is growing really quickly, yeah. um, is going to be huge, yeah. and is easy to talk about, then that kind of highlights for me how big the problem is that the women just aren't out there. So I think spreading that education, maybe going into other industries and saying, you're, you're good at sales, you can do that, try IT, mm. um, as well as doing the bottom-down approach in school. I think this comes into something that we were looking at a lot of reports when planning, like doing these interviews, and an interesting stat, which may be why people aren't applying for jobs but statistically women will only likely to apply for a job if they meet 100% of the criteria 
where men will apply if they only hit 60%. I've seen that. That's amazing. Men will leap. Women won't. Yeah, and I think that that's quite... It's interesting, really, because also when I I got into this role, it was a a bit of um, actually just... Um, someone knew James they were like oh, I think you're going to get on really well like, I, I literally did it off of, off of whim and thought oh I've, I've worked a little bit I'd done some work for like um, Software One and Fujitsu and I touched my toe in it but not as deep as I'm in it now and uh, I was really nervous and I even in my interview I was really like oh I don't know much and I really downplayed myself I have to say in the interview like I, I was quite open that I'm good at marketing but I downplayed that I didn't know cybersecurity or or tech or I was a bit like oh, I'm not very technical and I downplayed myself um do you find that across the interview or is it just me or do you agree with that stat do you think that as women we are a little bit nervous of going for something or going into the new industry unfortunately there aren't enough women for me to be able to say that I see it across the industry yeah. but across my friends across yep. my family across you know my life in general yeah and myself I absolutely think that that's that's the case the amount of jobs I've had to really been pushed to go for, for. um but also imposter syndrome. That's something that I, I feel we that... deal with, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, I'm in this job. Uh, am I doing it well? Am I about to get fired? Am I hitting the standards that I should be? So you never go for that next level no. because you're never perfect at the one you're doing. No. And it's not until you sort of stand back and think, actually, I nailed that. Why was I so worried for so long? But at that point, you're in a new job that you've got imposter syndrome with again. Yeah. So I think it's, it is maybe something that we need to change with the way that we do interviews or... The way that we approach questions, write job adverts, because if we're saying that the way that we do interviews now scares off women because they're not hitting every single point, then we need to look at that. How many LinkedIn job adverts do you see where it's like you need 15 years experience? Do you? Why? And I also, I think I agree with you on the sales, especially in a sales wrong. And I probably think in, in marketing, if you're a really good marketeer, you don't really need a technical background you need to be able to understand the technology and sell it but you need to be a really good marketer and I don't know how you feel from a sales perspective if you're a really good salesperson and you understand the product you're selling and the pain point that it solves you're not the person to do the the, the heavy technical uplifting that's why we have technical people in the world yeah. so and I've learned so much like on the, I don't think you can learn any more than being on the job like I think I don't know about you I mean when I left uni I thought I knew everything and I got a degree and they do pat you on the back quite a lot like you've got a degree now you can get every job you want and gosh didn't I fall from grace of getting into my job and getting people tea and answering the phone there's a lot of learning so I think I don't know about you I think there's a lot you can learn and because this industry evolves all the time you I don't think you can say that you can come in and be like you've learned it and if you do, then you're not the right person for the job, right. I don't think. I think if you're not constantly evolving mm-hmm. and you can't deal with change, you shouldn't be in the job anyway. Yeah. That thing that you said about, um, you just touched on, this, is it skills or is it you're a good marketeer? Yeah. I see a lot of salespeople in my job. Obviously, I spend most of my life with salespeople at different partners. Yeah. And I think I can tell a good salesperson before they've started talking about a product because it's not about the product. It's how they interact with people. Yeah. And I think we need more female skills in that some of the more soft skills the empathy yeah there's a lot of um oh i like to call car salesmen out there yeah obviously not selling cars and apologies to any car salesmen that happen to be listening <laughs> <laughs> but, um well that yeah, stereotype that, isn't there yeah it's that kind of bullshit buy this it's great go on almost like a, a bullying tactic into buying yeah. something you don't really want yeah and then you get the salespeople that just sit and listen they understand and i think you can tell them from a mile off when they're offering you a cup of tea 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's where we need to encourage women to come in and join because you can learn tech. You can't learn to be a good salesperson. Yeah, or a good listener. And I no. think as women, we're good at that. I if My next kind of thing that I was saying, I don't know about um, you, but I feel like maybe women more, but I feel like we generally juggle a lot more hats. I mean, we were talking about the food shop earlier. Um, I think women have got a, a lot of that going on and I think we are very good at jumping in from work and you know with your with your partner or what you're doing like that I feel personally that's a strength of us as a female because we are good at multitasking we are flipping on the different hats and stuff how have you dealt with that as your career and as a woman and having to be I don't know do you feel that you have to flip a different hat or have a different persona depending on what situation you're in whether you're being a salesperson do you feel like as a woman do you do that more or when I was younger I thought that was me being fake yeah Um, and I thought it was a real um letdown in my personality yes I get that and now I've realized that it's so important I mean you know if if I'm having a conversation with someone in marketing Mm -hmm. versus having a conversation with an SDR Mm -hmm. or uh I don't know sometimes I I do customer facing things still so I might be talking to a CISO they are not just different conversations they are different personas yeah and you have to fit to be around people if you want to be uh, I guess engaging. Yeah, you've got to mix that, and you've got to to swap those personality types or adjust them, not swap them. Yeah. Uh, one one of the things that an old boss said to me once was that he would sit and watch and wait for me to drop a plate because I was spinning so many things yeah. and trying to do so many things. Yeah. I remember how gutted I was the first time I did because you know women can't fail. We can't fail in this industry because we're already being waited. People are waiting for us to do to that anyway. Yeah. And I think that's a negative for us because we're all, a we're man all the back step already. yeah there's so many men that I work with and that I know and that I adore who would go oh oops I dropped that plate pick up another one and carry on whereas I think as women we maybe take it too personally do, I've, I, do we, I completely agree and we take that home and then we like I don't know swallow it and think oh I've made the mistake and it's again the imposter syndrome thing and then I feel like I don't know I mean I, I'm stereotyping but men seem to have a much move on it's okay like I don't know stiff up a lip maybe maybe that's something about it where we as women to kind of absorb it a lot more you can almost see it in friendship groups and again yeah. this is a stereotype but how many you know you have a bit of an argument on a girl's night out and it drags it's awkward oh, trying yeah. to fix it you know I'm sorry and it just creates a bit of an atmosphere I don't know many of my guy mates who have ever actually fallen out because what it's just out, it's just a joke move on yeah and it's kind of taking that mentality where we just hold on to too much. And I was um I was reading um uh I was reading Karen Brady's book recently, um, because obviously she's very much in the male industry, it was football and all the things that came out of that. And um it, it came up that she was emotionless. Like someone interviewed a female, emailed her um, and interviewed and said that she had no emotion and that she was emotionless. And um she was on with an interview with Stephen Bartlett on and seeing she he said, Oh, how does that make you feel? And she was like, Well, I think how people read that was that I was cold hearted and I had no emotion. And she said, What I actually meant was what I've learned from working in a male in male industry is that men are very black and white and you don't add loads of emotion around it or drag other bits into it. You just have to be very straightforward and you have to stick from that. And if you're firing someone you have to do it and you have to take the board. And she said apparently on her early days she had to fire someone and she said that the lady was absolutely lovely. She couldn't do it. So she asked someone male in her job, senior, to do it for her. And actually he started it in and then brought her in and got her to do it. And he said that was the best learning curve from me from an age of 23 that is if I've got to do something emotional and it's my choice and my decision, I've got to own it 
and, and and take the emotion out of it. And she said that's where the interview just kind of didn't play in her favour. They're saying that she was emotionless and she said that's not what I was saying. She said I'm able to put that emotion in a box and do my job. She's like it doesn't mean it doesn't affect me. It doesn't mean that I'm not a good human being or I don't love my children. She said I just know how to put it in boxes for the right situation. And I think sometimes... Separate work and play. Yeah, and I think sometimes that can be hard for women and us learning how to do that. I don't, I don't know how you feel about those in the situations. It's learning oh, all the time. I'm, I'm so awful. I mean, good, yeah. good news, please let me deliver it all. Yeah, Bad right. news, I, I really struggle. There was a woman I used to work with who was similar to that. She was just absolutely phenomenal. We'd have sit down for a meeting and she'd be all business. Mm-hmm. And get, the, get through this. And if there was any... I love a tangent. Mm-hmm. Any tangents bring me straight back in. She wasn't going to do it and she was just all business. And then the second you left that room, yeah. she was this warmth, lovely, yeah. I guess just homely she type got that good personality. Um, I don't think I ever want to have those two total different types. Right. Um, but the way that she was able to separate the emotion and was only, huge. And some of the best women that I've ever like you said, going back to the listening thing, I think when they've really nailed it is that they can listen, they absorb, they take the information. And I know I'm a bit of a waffler when I'm trying to get my point across. Um, but I've had a few um, senior people above me, that women that I really liked, and they could just say what they needed to say in like five words or in just one sentence and get straight to the point because they'd sat there, they'd listened, they breathed, they were like, and now's my time and could say it in like yeah. five words and I all, I always look up to those women like god I wish I could just breathe own it I think I get into a bit of a flap and be like oh I was gonna say all the words and defend myself and yeah I just and need that's to something just... that we all do yeah there's a guy that um, I've worked with for years and years and years and he said to me I had to take something quite difficult to him before um and I made my point and then I made it again and I made it again and he said Stevie you're closing a close stop because you're actually hurting your point now yeah and I'll you're always forget that it. now yeah, yeah. He said, you should have shut up three sentences ago yeah and I, I think you. yeah we are women and that we do like to talk I think from one side it's really good because we like to build rapport and make friends and then on other sides we need to learn how to stop so I yeah. think that's a really good point um So I think we've gone round discussing strengths of women, why we'd love women to get involved. But also I think it's having those women in senior roles to aspire to be, right? Having women that we can see ourselves in or want to be in. And I think that is changing. I think there are more women on boards, but I think it's still, I think there's a statistic that, you know, boards are still a little bit low on that and they're not actually hitting the 33% mark. What do you think could help empower women to take on senior roles or or help them. I mean, I have my thoughts because I've had children and I think that can have an impact on your career because you have to stay a step back, but not everyone has children, whether that's choice. Um, how do you think there's ways of, do you think that's a confidence thing again, that we don't go for that job or we don't, where do you think would help us as women to go higher up in our careers? So I think once you're already in, one of the biggest things that I see really often is women thinking that they don't have a voice. They can't take that next step. And that for me is massive. And that comes from not just men, but other women. I quite often, okay. we, I don't think that we hold each other up enough. Um, and I think we need to do some education around different types of personalities, mm-hmm. how different people work. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely been guilty of this. And it's something that I'm trying to develop myself. I'm a okay. big believer in self-development. Yeah, um, um, that. Is that if I find a woman who I think wasn't, strong in that situation I use male 
like sort of typical male words to describe them and they didn't fit that then should they be in that senior role which goes actually against everything I believe in that we yeah. need lots of different personality types and lots of yeah. different types of people and different types of women yeah so I think there's a huge education that we need to do around what does a good team look like and you were talking earlier about skills gaps and analysis yeah we yep, almost yep. need a life version of that. Who do we have? Where are we missing? Are we missing people with these personality traits? Okay. We need to go and find them. They're also important, whether that's in the boardroom, in a meeting, in mm-hmm. the pub after work, whatever it is. We need to explain and educate to everyone, men and women, yep. that the reasons why we need diversity and not just, great, you've now got 50% women. Because mm-hmm. if you've got a load of 50% women who are very similar bulldog type type women oh yeah yeah then that's no that's no better and i think as women you can have bulldog type that don't actually lift the other women yeah i have been in roles where actually i mean they used to say it was tough love because you know you're in a male industry but actually used to chip me even more because you know you had your senior woman woman not empowering you i think there's a there's that thing isn't it a balance of women you need we all know of our click of friendship groups there's there's one that's all slightly different on the table because that makes a yep. harmonious blend if all five of you are exactly the same type of women then like you said a girls night out would be horrific so it, it's that isn't I want to go on that girls night yeah. out yeah <laughs> but like it's, it's having that even with the with the male personalities not all men are the same and I think they can get stereotyped of what their personality type is but that's not how they would necessarily do it I, I quite like that of having a way of looking at the personality necessarily by then the gender of what they bring to the table and whether that's you know um, blind cvs or Mm -hmm. like i said i don't have the answers just loads and loads of questions and you know do we need a new way of interviewing but interesting with your name being stevie have assumptions been made or has that helped you right i loved it when i was um an account director or an account manager uh, years ago, I used to absolutely love if I hadn't spoken to someone on the phone. Yeah. And before, I don't feel like LinkedIn was that big. You, I, I now wouldn't go to a meeting without checking someone's LinkedIn. Yeah. But the amount of times I would rock up and I would be sat in a waiting room waiting for someone, at a, you know, an IT um Special, an IT manager, IT yeah. security, whoever it was coming to meet me, they would come out, look around, assume that the person had left and walk away again. And I loved that. And then they'd have to come back and go, oh, Steve. And it was always the confusion. Yeah. And my surname's Dennis as well. So yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty powerful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I loved it back then. And now it's, it's just something different. And I do mm-hmm. think actually it's probably given me, it's made me a lot stronger. Yeah. Um, but it shouldn't need to be a name no. to make sure that you can but hold I, your own in a group of men. And I actually think if my name was something different, I wouldn't be as comfortable as I am in a group of really strong, loud, voiced men. Yeah, but I think it's also like, um, I just, I don't remember about you, but I just remember school reports and it was like always um, very chatty, very bossy, likes to show her opinion. We wouldn't have been allowed to sit together at school. No. No. That's fine. But actually, I remember those things and always feeling really guilty of my parents' evenings with, with my parents of like, oh, sorry, I dis, you know, disagreed with that with the teacher or I didn't see their eye to eye with that. Um, but I think it's a language thing because I think if, if women are in a senior role and if they're too voiced or they push their opinion and language can be used of, oh, she's too bossy or and, and things like that. And having a young girl, a daughter of mine, and she's five, I try to use language that isn't 
bossy or too chatty or it's how can I say words of her of like you know everyone's got an opinion you've got to allow everyone to speak but your voice is still valid it's that kind of, I do think uh, language plays a big part on women and how their reports or their teacher of responds to them and stuff and builds them up or can bring them down I think it does start from the kind of grassroots point of how you see your voice and you're saying actually having a male name helped you to feel more confident I think probably having a female name and being blonde also had negative effects on me because there's pre-assumptions made maybe about how educated I was or and that sort of thing and it's bad isn't it but stereotypes do still exist and that's all throughout society right we are in a, a tiny tiny part of society and that's what we're, we're talking about but it's yeah. we're never going to fix it until it's fixed no slightly larger scale yeah but I think there are things that we can do just by not not following the norm and not assuming that women are a certain way they're in a certain box um but I think the only way we do that as well is by not judging each other for making mistakes yeah you know that there are things that I've said and done over the years that I now I feel like I wouldn't ever say so, or do yeah and that needs to be okay because yeah. we need to be able to change what would be your top five tips for anyone aspiring to work in cybersecurity and especially if they are a woman? Go for it, Agreed. number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there are so many different jobs. Have a look around. Yeah. So uh, you don't have to understand what cybersecurity is to get into it. If you're good at something, there will be a job for you. Yeah. Um, jump in at the deep end. Mm-hmm. Absolutely do. And because it's that's where you learn that's where it's exciting and to be honest if you're new to cybersecurity, it's all the deep end yeah so go for it yeah find a mentor uh, i'd agree with that find someone yeah 100 um, i've i've had a couple over the years I've, I've made some good choices and some bad choices um it doesn't have to be one mentor that you stick with for your entire career nope. a lot of men that i know have stuck with that and for the women it seems to be that they move around a bit more and they have a couple of women they learn for or men it doesn't you don't have no. to stick with your own gender um, so find a mentor and speak honestly to them. Yeah. I guess learn to say no and push back is probably another big thing. Because you have to say yes to everything. If you're joining the cybersecurity industry, you know that you're joining an industry that has its very set way of doing things. And if we want new people to come in, it's because we want the industry to change and evolve. Amen. So mm-hmm. learn to say no because people who have been in it for a long time, they need to hear no. Yeah. And find different ways of doing it. Yeah. And- Perfect. Thank you, Stevie. I could probably talk about that a lot longer, but we are on a wrap on time. So thank you for being the first female we've interviewed for our series of female podcasts. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.